the snail's pace. Pointing, Harris told the cop, see that car? Two cars ahead, the, the white Honda? That's my car. It was stolen two weeks ago. See it? That's my car. As the light turned green, the Honda pulled away with the rest of the morning traffic. Bursts of adrenaline shot through Harris, the first thing he'd felt in the years since his wife's death. The cop looked after Harris's disappearing Honda and then back at Harris as if trying to decide if he was a nut. Okay, Mr. Geddon, the cop said. For once, Harris was grateful for the respectable-looking briefcase his wife had given him on their fifth anniversary. Harris yanked on the door handle, but it was locked. No, in back, the cop said. Get in the back. Harris threw his briefcase onto the back seat and slid in behind what was surely a bulletproof window between him and the cop, taxi style. Siren blaring, they crept down Beacon Street in a low-speed chase and swung right on Tremont. Cars parted for them reluctantly, giving up feet, not yards. Thirty seconds later, they were bumper to bumper with Harris's stolen car, and the cop was strongly suggesting on his loudspeaker that the driver pull over. Harris was sitting forward, his nose inches from the scratched plastic divider. That's it, that's my car, he said. You wait here, the cop said, as if Harris had foolishly been planning to accompany him on the dangerous stroll to the stolen car. Unbidden images came to Harris's mind. He pictured a stash of cocaine or a weighty little handgun the new owner had tucked under the driver's seat or hidden among the maps of New England. If the thief had noticed all the hiking guides, he probably wondered why Harris needed a car. Now the cop was standing outside Harris's car, legs spread in cop stance, no doubt asking to see the driver's license and registration. <laughs> Good luck. The registration was in the glove compartment where it belonged, but hidden his wife's idea, inside a paperback mystery involving root vegetables. <laughs> the cop car's siren and flashing lights had drawn a business-suited crowd which gathered at a safe distance from any anticipated mayhem. Knowing Boston, Harris had never hoped to get their car back and still roadworthy. He'd merely expected to come home to a message from the police on his answering machine saying they'd found his car trashed and wired on the campus of Tufts or MIT or abandoned in a bad part of town. The day after his wife died, he'd driven an hour west on I-90 until he came to a rest stop with a phone booth. He'd pulled the folding door shut against the outside world, and he'd called home over and over to hear her voice say, Hello, please leave a message. We don't want to miss anything. Then he'd saved the tape and left a message of his own. No license on him, the cop said as he dropped into the front seat. Says he left the registration with his sister because she's trying to sell the car for him. He punched 432 DOG into a black box on the dash. Seconds later, like a fax, maybe it was a fax, outscrolled the sheet of paper with not much written on it, but the cop studied it thoroughly. He verified Harris's name, address, and when he'd reported the car missing. Then once again, he told Harris, wait here and approached Harris's stolen car, where he motioned for the driver to get out. The crowd drew back. The driver's Red Sox jacket had a ripped sleeve, and his jeans were faded to a pale blue. Short and stocky, he was this side of 40, a limp ponytail hanging off a bald rump of a dome. <laughs> the cops spun him around and told him to lean against the car, his legs spread apart, then he patted ponytail down movie style, before clamping handcuffs on his wrists. Satisfied, 
The cop pointed to where Harris sat, waiting, and gave Ponytail a slight nudge toward him. Soon Ponytail was peering in at Harris on one of those fake freeze frames Harris would trust in any movie from that moment on. His gaze was cool, not giving anything away. Real static hissed on the cop's radio as the dispatcher asked if the cop wanted backup. Nah, the cop said through the front window. I'm bringing him in. Somehow, Harris couldn't picture himself and Ponytail locked in side by side in the back seat of this cruiser. He tried to roll down the window, but it wouldn't budge. The cop nodded for Harris to get out. What else could his nod mean? Harris gathered up his briefcase and waited for the cop to open the door. Harris's peripheral vision assured him that Ponytail and he were not going to do anything rash, like make eye contact a second time. The car's all yours, the cop said. Keys are in it. All three of them looked at Harris's car, helping the police cruiser hold up traffic. Their bottleneck was doing a bad job of channeling through.